mindset is always an issue. I don't care what level you play, right? I mean, the, the, even top performance athletes or top CEOs are always dealing with mindset issues. It's just at a different level. Like, you know, I say we have white collar problems, but problems nonetheless, you know? So, uh, you know, you're always having, you're always dealing with mindset issues. And, and they could be, they could be very, the point is recognizing that you, you have mindset issues at any given point that you're always working on yourself. The biggest question is uh, developing a degree of self-awareness. What a year 2020 was. 2021 is here and I hope you're hitting the ground running. I know we are here at Dwelling. We've just got a deal on the contract. We're going to be closing on soon. For those that have joined us on that deal, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you are saying, what am I talking about? Then you need to take your investing game to the next level in this year. So make sure you join the Dwelling deal list, an exclusive deal list. Um, not only do you get access to our deals, quickly but you also get tips and tricks about you know how you can take your, your investing game to the next level this year so if you are not on the dwelling deal list click on the link in the show notes or just go to dwelling.com um, that's d-w-e-l-l-y-n-n.com or just go to investwithola.com and just sign up sign up sign up sign up Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got just an absolutely incredible guest with us today, Michael Blank. This is um, amazing to have you. I, I was just telling you before we started recording here, you and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan. Can't wait to get into the show. Awesome. Great to be here, Ola. Awesome. All right. For those who don't know who you are, um, if you don't, you've probably been under the rock somewhere. But for those who don't, can you tell our folks a little bit more about who you are, um, what you do and kind of what you've been up to lately? Yeah. So my mission right now is to help people become financially free with real estate. Right. So if you if you have read that, that daggone purple book and you got real estate on your brain, I'd like to talk to you. I guess the problem with the Purple Book, of course, is it doesn't tell you exactly how to achieve financial freedom. It says things like real estate investing and cash flow business, and it doesn't really give you the blueprint. So I've kind of called myself the crash test dummy of financial freedom because I, I tried to figure it out. It took me a long time, and I lost almost everything, including my house in the, in the pursuit of it, until I figured out that the best path for most people, for, for as many people as possible, is actually with apartment buildings. And what we discovered is that you don't actually need real estate investing experience. You don't even need capital. And so therefore, in my mind, apartments and, and syndications are the fastest path to financial freedom. So that's what gets us up every day. We're one of the leading authorities that teaches people how to do that. We also uh, purchase apartment buildings to give the passive investors vehicles for financial freedom as well. Fantastic. So if I'm you know, somebody maybe just out of right out of college, you know, maybe bought your book, um, brilliant book. If you haven't got Mike's book, check it out. Um, looking to get into, you know, multifamily investing, but you know, they're saying, look, Michael, I'm a, I'm a young person. I, I don't have any experience. Like you just said, you don't need one. Um, what do I need to do to get started? What, like, I don't have money. I don't have the experience. How can I get into the game? You know, I think the step one is you have to develop a belief about about anything, because if you don't believe you can do something, you're never going to take action, because why would you bother taking action in a direction that you don't believe in something? So it's the same thing here. You know, people say, oh, my gosh, apartments, that's really cool. Um, I've heard about that, but, um, you know, I don't have the experience for it. And I don't have the capital for it. 
And so what I'm telling you is you don't need either of them. Therefore, obviously, there's something either with a person's mindset or there's a lack of information. And it's usually a combination of both. But in this particular case, I think a lot of it is lack of information, uh, followed, of course, by mindset. But for example, you don't actually need years of real estate experience. You can literally develop or appear more experienced than you really are without having experience yourself. And the reason that is it's a bit unique in the multifamily space is that typically it's a team game. It's a team sport. So, you know, people say, well, I'm going to call a broker and they're not going to take me seriously. Yes, yes, yes. But that's only if it's just you. If you have a team behind you, it's a conversation is totally different. If you have behind you a property manager who's who manages 5,000 units, you have an SEC attorney, maybe you have an advisor, you have a CPA, right? You have a lender. Now, when you take that same broker and you say, well, I'm working with so-and-so, they manage 5,000 units, I got my CPA here, I'm, I, I'm ready to go. Now the broker is going to go, my gosh, this guy is super serious. And no one's asking questions. Hey, Ola, how many deals have you done? Because it becomes irrelevant at that point. And so you can literally, with a little bit of education, using the right words in a team, you can appear much more experienced. And it's not like you're duping people. You're literally leveraging a team to help you overcome that which you lack, which is experience. And the surprising thing is you can develop that in 30 to 60 days. You can literally have a, a credible conversation with an with a, a apartment building broker that doesn't ask you for proof of funds and with investors. And then on the money side, it's the same, it's the same thing. You don't, it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have because you can raise it from individuals who typically invest in the stock market. And you can do it without begging people for money or, or, or being afraid that you're going to lose people's money. In fact, what you're doing is you're, you're literally educating people about an investment that's far superior to the stock market. So with a little bit of knowledge, you can figure out how can you overcome your lack of experience. And with a little bit of knowledge, you can figure out how you can raise capital from other people without appearing that you're begging for money, which you're not. You're actually serving them. And therefore, put the two together and it becomes surprisingly easy to actually get into the apartment building game. So I'm a, like I said, I'm a big fan of yours and I, you know, I listen to, to your podcast a ton and there's something that you say that makes me like super cringe. So I want to talk about it a little bit. So you say, and I, I, I think you have a fantastic program, which I think um, with um, Night Orc. So you say, if you find, you know, a good deal, the money shows up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm like, I've got so many good deals. Why am I not, you know, raising enough money? So what is going on there? If anybody is out there like me that maybe has that, it's kind of like the two train of like school of thought, like find a good deal, the capital will show up. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a flippant statement, of course, if you find a good deal. If you find a good deal in a vacuum, you're not going to have the money to close on it. It really depends on uh, the amount of work you've done in your network. Here's what I mean. You're using other people's money. And in, in a traditional sense, you're using actual investors' money. Who, so obviously, what is your ability to raise capital? What kind of conversations have you had? What kind of verbal commitments have you had from investors around you that said, hey, if you find me a deal that looks like this, I will invest in it. So there's things you can do upfront to do that. You can create a sample deal package, uh, an investor package you know, that looks real, but of course, you don't have it under contract, but it's a conversation piece. You can use that to get out of the way to major objections, answer the biggest questions from investors who are probably new to investing in this asset class. And so you can prepare the, pave the way and prepare the way until the time you actually have a live deal. So when you have a live deal, as you know, time is of the essence and you only have, and things have to happen really quickly. So you have to have the upfront work on your investors 
to get those major questions out of the way so they're actually ready to invest. So it's a lot of upfront work on that side. But the other side of it, the strength of your network is not just your direct investors, it's your potential joint venture partners. Joint venture partners, so you are, have the ability to find deals, which is great. And maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're struggling a little bit with raising capital. And it's typically because you're a certain personality type. So here's what I mean. Certain people are more numbers-oriented, detail-oriented, very organized. Maybe they have an engineering background of some sort. They tend to be more introverted. They love numbers, okay? And so uh, they don't really love talking to brokers, but the reason they don't they feel comfortable after a while is because the topic of conversation is numbers, which they're very comfortable with. Okay, so that's great. That makes you a really good deal finder. Uh, on the other hand, raising capital, if you're more of an introvert, not so much, okay? But you can be guaranteed that there's people who are exactly opposite from you, who love playing golf, have the gift of gab, maybe have a sales background, and they're an insurance broker, real estate agent, whoever, right? And the, the, the thought of a spreadsheet makes them break out in a cold sweat. So they are going to struggle with finding deals, right? It makes a lot of sense. But they're going to be really comfortable in talking to people about investing with them. So just if you are one or the other, go find that other person, right? So if you are a natural capital raiser, go find someone that is a natural deal finder. Those partnerships are extremely, extraordinarily powerful. And so uh, knowing that there's people out there that specialize and focus on and are good at actually raising capital, how can you align yourself with a bunch of potential joint venture partners so that when you actually find a live deal, you can call up five of them and go, hey, remember that thing we talked about a month ago where you were struggling with finding a deal? I got one. They're like, no way. Well, I got $500,000 behind me, right? And so right. now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it becomes effortless. And this is, this is what I'm seeing that the money will come because the money is out there. You just have to connect with it because the people with money have the opposite problem, which is, uh, which is an investment vehicle to invest in. So the capital raiser, the investor's problem is that is the stock market. That's fundamentally the problem. They're like, man, they're scratching their head going, is there anything else? The answer is yes. Multifamily syndications. The capital raiser has the problem of finding good operators that have deals. So so how can you align yourself proactively, of course, before you have a deal? Because when you have a live deal and you have a cold network, yeah, it's not going to go so well for you, right? It's going to be really tough. So in other words, what can you do to build a network around you to prepare them for that live deal? And I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's exactly what I did, right? On our last deal, that was just the 178 unit, which is closed, right? Um, it's actually partnering. So yeah, you are absolutely right. spot on um, on that. Thank you for, for sharing that. So you mentioned something as well, like, in the beginning, which was mindset, right? Um, you know, I have a meetup here in Houston um, and I talk about that a lot. Um, obviously you're extremely successful. Um, you're still constantly learning and, and doing bigger deals. How much of mindset um, plays a role in, in, in your success? And if so- uh, Look, I-, I mean, <clears throat> mindset is always an issue. I don't care what level you play, right? I mean, the, 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 even top performance athletes or top CEOs are always dealing with mindset issues. It's just at a different level. Like, you know, I say we have white collar problems, but problems nonetheless, you know? So, uh, you know, you're always having, you're always dealing with mindset issues. And, and they could be, they could be very, the point is recognizing that you, you have mindset issues at any given point that you're always working on yourself. The biggest question is uh, developing a degree of self-awareness and then a sense of humility, right? So self-awareness, my gosh, I have some limitations here. Maybe it could be what I'm taught about money, or maybe it's a, it's, it's a lack of an abundance mindset or other limiting beliefs. What are my limiting beliefs? Like, what are those things? 
You know, if someone says, hey, you know, you can 10x that and you're like, no, I don't think so. Well, why did you just say that? Right. I mean, if someone, if Grant Cardone were to come to me and say, how do you, how do you 10x your business? I'd be like, you know, I don't think so, dude. I mean, let me, because I'm thinking through this. I'm, I don't think so. And then and it, and it brings to light, you know, my uh, limiting beliefs. You always have living beliefs. The biggest thing is what are they? And then you, you work on yourself on that. And a lot of those things are, you can solve by information. You know, uh, what is actually true? Uh, the other one is talking to people who have done what you have done. Uh, and that really helps. If you talk to other people who are successful and you come to that person with, hey, I don't think I can do this. And I ask you a few questions. I'm like, I, you can do this. Why, why, why don't you think I've done it? And these other two people have done it. So why can't you do it? Right. And you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, maybe I can do it. Right. So in other words, what can you do about your limiting beliefs? I think that's the biggest thing. It's a it's a bit of a curiosity around around mindset. So for folks like you, I mean, people ask me this question all the time and it's kind of a random question, but I would ask you, what is your morning routine? Because, you know, I've been listening to you for God knows how long, probably since you started the, the podcast. Um, now I see you on social media here and there. Um, like you're doing a bunch of stuff. You've got your conferences, which I haven't been able to come to yet. So what is your morning routine? How do you keep all the balls in the air? Well, one of the things I don't do everything myself, right? And, and, and neither should anyone listening or watching this. You, you have to, even from an early on, if it's just you, yourself and you, you know, in your basement somewhere, try not to do everything yourself. So the first hire you typically hire is a virtual assistant, you know, and they might be working with you five hours a week uh, to do certain administrative tasks, right? So for example, if, if I put a, a post on social media, I am most likely not doing that myself. Did I perhaps create a blog post content? Yes. But did I, I physically post it to my, to my social media? Probably not. Therefore, everything I'm doing, I'm not doing myself anymore. So a lot of it is really based on your, on your team. But back to your original question about morning routine. And I'd say about five years ago, I started The Miracle Morning uh, by, by Hal Elrod. A great book. I highly recommend H-A-L uh, and then Elrod is E-L-E-L-R-O-D, the miracle, the miracle Morning. And, and the reason I like that book a lot is I've always struggled with my morning routine, the meditation, you know, the prayer. And I'm like, oh, I'm so bored. Like, I can't I can't sit still long enough. What do I do with my thoughts? You know, it seems so unproductive. And, and the Miracle Morning really helps you uh, with that. It, it kind of maps out the first 30 or 60 minutes of your day in a, in a rhythm of, of silence and praying and writing and thinking and visualizing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I don't have to sit there in silence for 60 minutes and kill myself while I'm doing it. Well, that's pretty cool. And, and so I really like that. I, I, just, I just like it. It's a very actionable way to start your morning. And, and what it does, though, I think the, the, what the miracle, uh, the morning routine does in general is it helps create clarity. And most people don't take the time to do that. And I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I, I didn't start creating clarity until like, I mean, like nine years ago. Like, I mean, I was like in my mid thirties when I was like, oh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is that really what I want to do? You know, and, and a lot of people don't, I mean, I got into real estate investing thinking that flipping is, you know, flipping houses is like, you know, the, the passive income that Kiyosaki talks about. But let me tell you, it's not. Okay, but I didn't think this through. And so now the, the, the morning routine really creates clarity, clarity about, you know, what you want, what you don't want, who you want to become, what kind of life you want to create, and then think about strategies that will get you there. In other words, 
it, it creates a sense of intentionality with how you spend your time. And the, the morning routine is only one way, but really how do you map out the rest of your day and your time? You know, and so if you look at my schedule, it appears that Michael is so busy. Well, that's not entirely true because I actually schedule downtime. I schedule my lunches. I schedule certain, you know, strategic time where I'm working. Uh, I schedule checking email. I schedule everything and it looks very structured. And it is because if I don't structure it, I will let things slip. Right. So if I want to if I want to spend time with my family and I don't schedule that time in, well, then I, I might let email or a meeting slip into that time. So it appears overly structured. But in my opinion, that's what's for me required to live out an intentional life that I thought of in the morning going, hey, you know what? I want to spend more time with my family. I want to start. I want to play more tennis. I need to exercise three, three times a week. Well, well, how are you going to exercise three, three times a week? Are you know, how are you going to do that? Well, you probably need to schedule it. If you don't schedule it, how are you going to do that three times a week? You might do it once a week if you're lucky. So it's, it's really how do you develop the clarity through the morning? And then how do you live out a more intentional life using your time? Fascinating that you schedule everything. I mean, I just, you just made me think about my calendar. I thought I scheduled everything, but no, this is really good. Checking emails. I, I love that. Um, before we go into the quick runs, I just want to put one final question. And I think it's kind of a case study of someone that you've helped recently, maybe through your, your mentoring program of how they went from, I don't know if I can do this, do this meaning buying an apartment to actually buying an apartment. And I think this is really crucial for those that are listening who want to be in that spot. Well, I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, if you go to the michaelblank.com and click on uh, stories, you will have dozens and dozens of people who have done their first deal and quit their job. It's, it's so, so cool. And we give them these, uh, these freedom coins, you know, when they do their first deal and quit their job. It's so cool. It's the, this, the, the law of the first deal. I just love it. Law of the first deal. So there's a lot of them. I don't know. Like, let me pick on Brian. Brian Briscoe just came to mind. You know, he had to be a mentoring student. I, I know Brian very well in Maryland when yeah. I was living in Maryland. Yeah. yeah, Brian, you know, I first met Brian, you know, and he came to uh, one of our events and uh, he signed up for, for mentoring, which is great. Mentoring is not for everybody, but he decided that was good for him. And that's great. And he was like, yeah, I'm being deployed to Afghanistan in, in four months and I'm going to do a deal from the desert. And I'm like, mm-hmm, sure you are. And um, he didn't end up going. But he was very determined. He had that look in his, in his mind. And he just, you know, he kind of followed the process. We call it the dealmaker blueprint is our process from going from zero to doing your first deal and quitting your job, building a portfolio and basically leaving a legacy. And he just kind of followed the process. I think uh, the most people that are successful are very coachable. Uh, and I, I, I even find, uh, so military is one of them. He's, he's military, uh, even athletes, uh, salespeople, people that, that basically have to follow a system to get something done are very coachable, you know, and one of the things he did very well is he's like, dude, you got a partner. Okay. Well, how do I find partners? Well, go engage in our dealmaker mastermind community, right? So he's in the community, he's networking, he's networking at the events and he finds these three guys. And, and so now there's four of them. Like I say, it might, might be three, two or two people too many, but hey, whatever works. So they call themselves Four Oaks Capital, <laughs> Four Oaks. And then for good measure, last few months, they added a fifth person. I'm like, ah, but at, within 18 months, they have 500 units, right? It's because yeah. they really took the joint venturing to the next level, but he simply followed the process, right? And so, you know, he had uh, another partner, found a deal, can raise capital, someone manages it. And they just said, look, here's what we're going to do. You're responsible for that. You're responsible for that. You're good at this. You're going to do that. And they just followed the process and, and, and just got it done. And so 
Uh, and he's not the only one like that. I think he's the only one with five people in the partnership. But, but, but the point is, you know, there's a process and we've been doing it now for six years. And, and it's just a, a bit of a matter of following the process and being consistent with it. Uh, I think, you know, he didn't have success overnight. He had success pretty quickly, but, but it didn't, it wasn't an overnight success either. It was quite a bit of work. Yeah, it's, I think it. I think I really. I'm glad you mentioned that. A lot of people come to me and think like this is a, a you know piece of cake. It's not. I'm on asset management calls every week. Um, uh, you know, it's like you run a business essentially. So it's it's no joke. It's a lot of work. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, um, I can keep talking to you obviously, but we definitely definitely dwell into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answer. You ready, sir? I'm ready. First question, what makes you, Michael, unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? I don't know, maybe passion at this point. Yeah, right? so I just, I, I'm just lit up with uh, the idea of financial freedom or real estate, right? Because because my my journey was so, so I would say not direct, right? It was an awful journey to financial freedom. And so I'm just really lit up about you know finally figuring it out, just not only for myself, but now for dozens and dozens of other people, it's worked over and over again. So, you know, but the mission is really to expose more people to apartment building investing, to become financial free, whether you're an active entrepreneur or you're a passive investor. And so that just lights me up every day is that is that mission. Yeah, and I can tell, I, I can tell for sure. Um, second question. What was the last book that you read? What was the one thing that you picked out from that book? Oh my gosh, I read so I read a lot, lot of books. Right, right now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reading, um, I'm reading Thursday is the new Friday, because I'm, I'm thinking, my, my shoot, maybe I can create myself a four, a four hour work week, a four day work week. <laughs> nice, <clears throat> you know. Uh, it, it, the, the problem is the, the mission, any mission you get you get on is never really done, right? Because a mission is so big. It's like, well, my mission is to solve world hunger. Well, okay, you're probably not going to solve that in your lifetime. Therefore, your job is never done. So this mission of empowering humanity to become financially free with real estate is never really done. Therefore, there's always more work to be done. And that's that's the thing. You said, Michael, you, you're already financially free. Why are you working so much? Well, it's because of that. So you got to find a balance. And so I'm intrigued by this book because it's it's a next level up of how you uh, structure your time more intentionally. And the thesis of the book is that you can achieve the same thing in four days that you you can in five days and have a more balanced life. So I'm I'm halfway through. I'm not sold on it yet, but that's what I'm that's what I'm uh, reading right now. Awesome. Final question. Obviously, you've got a lot going on. You've got your assets. You've got obviously you've, you've got a, a, a big family, relatively big family. I know that. So, what do you do for fun? Oh, fun. Yeah. So, yeah, we love to travel as a as a family. So, COVID really sucks. We had this round the world trip scheduled uh, last last year, which we had to cancel, and that was sad. Uh, so, we love to travel as a family. We have four kids, uh, thirteen to nineteen, and. And even our 19-year-old just loves to travel with us. So we love to travel. We look for ways to travel. Um, I love I love to play tennis. I used to play competitively in uh, in, in college. Um, yeah, awesome stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, if there's somebody listening, uh, you know, I'm just saying, wow, really like Michael, I want to get connected with you. You know, what's the best way people can reach out, get to know you more? Yeah, my podcast is Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. It looks yellow just like this. It's the same title as the book. And it's the same title as this one, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. So just Google Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. 
and you should be able to find me and the podcast is a great way to get involved and the book is a great introduction into uh, the whole world of apartments and financial freedom using that. Um, and those are my my go-to places, this podcast, the book. <laughs> so you're the right spot. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. You're an absolute legend. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Ella, thanks for having me. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.